Hi, everyone, and welcome to RX Rounds, a podcast that focuses on health education in the Caribbean community. I am your host, Alandra Mitchell. We've already discussed art therapy, just one of the disciplines in the field of creative arts therapy and expressive therapy. In this episode, we explore drama therapy with Colleen Braffitt. Carlene was trained in drama therapy at the New York University and currently works in mental health policy at the Ministry of Health in Trinidad and Tobago. She is also a renowned dancer, regionally, and lover of the arts. While exploring drama therapy, Colleen and I discuss some of the challenges faced by the 21st century Caribbean woman. Hi, Colleen. Hi, hi. Thank you so much again for having me and for having this conversation. Um, Again, my name is Colleen Braffitt and I am a drama therapist in Trinidad and Tobago, lovely land of my birth. Um, I identify as as a young woman still trying to figure out, you know, what this life is about. Um, I was raised, born and raised in Trinidad and Tobago, um, had the opportunity to live in New York, another amazing melting pot of, <laughs> of lives and stories and it's an awesome place. So I had that awesome experience that has contributed to who I am today. Um, I am a performer. I specialize in dance and movement. Um, so the stage is, a, is another home for me. Um, I've had the opportunity of performing on several stages across the world, and that too has also contributed to, to who I identify as in the world. I am probably 11 and a half. I love long walks on the beach, <laughs> and I enjoy great food. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Um, so naturally, drama therapy for me um, just made sense. Uh, which it kind of brings together uh, a lot of who I am um, and then also a lot of the things that I'm just generally curious about. Um, so drama therapy as a profession just seem almost natural. So tell us a little bit, like identify what is drama therapy first and where is it beneficial? Okay, sure. So um, I kind of wonder how do I want to start this. Uh, actually, you know what? Let me share like a really quick quote. This is something that always remained with me um, from my training that I always kind of set or try to bring context to what drama therapy is. This is a quote from a really well-known drama therapist in the US. Um, Her name is Renee Immuno. And she says, under the guise of play and pretend we can for once act in new ways. The bit of distance from real life afforded by drama enables us to gain perspective on our real life rules and patterns and actions and to experiment actively with alternatives. So drama therapy is an applied field. Simply drama therapy is an applied field in psychology, education, performance, psychiatry, theater. It's an amalgamation of all these things. So we borrow from um, a lot of the fundamental theories of these fields, but it's, it's a field 
of its own. Um, it is a type of creative arts therapy, so the umbrella uh, field is creative arts therapies, and they are now branched out into specializations in a particular art modality. So drama, there's music therapy, there's dance movement therapy, there's poetry therapy, um, uh, and then there are other um, there are other types of therapies uh, like play therapy and so on as well. Um, so drama therapy is the intentional use of drama and theater processes to achieve therapeutic goals. So I'm sure some people may have heard about drama in education. You might remember when you were in school and the teacher might have done like a role play with you or right. the teacher or you. speaking or exactly. yes. Or the teachers may have used puppets in the classroom. That is drama in education. So the use of drama to teach. Mm -hmm. All right. Drama therapy, however, is a clinical practice. So if you think about like psychology or psychiatry, so it's a clinical practice that uses drama as the modality of treatment. I want to break that down. What I mean by that is if you think about like talk therapy, you know, your typical psychologist, you might have seen images on the television about, you know, a person coming into office and sitting on a chair and just kind of talking about their issues and then the psychiatrist or psychologist kind of helping them with that. Um, so yes, it is a clinical practice, but instead of just talking, what we use is we use the, the we use intentionally um, the, the fundamental aspects of drama and theater um, as a way of, of kind of navigating the difficulties and expressing yourself. Um, it also affords you the opportunity to access parts of yourself that, you know, uh, were difficult if you, if you just sat down and thought about it. So uh, the clients get to um, use different uh, techniques. Role play is one of them. Um, performance is one of them. Using a script from, let's, let's say, Shakespeare that kind of represents what you're experiencing and kind of taking apart the characters and trying on the rules for a little bit. Um, that's another thing. Story making, storytelling is another technique that we use in therapy. Um, there's so many different techniques, um, but that's exactly what it is. It's the intentional use um, of drama and theater in a therapeutic process. Does that make sense? What do you that makes complete sense? I think it's not something we often think of in a therapeutic way, but if we look at our culture in general, we look to things of the arts for therapy, for that that opportunity to express ourselves, gives us that liberation, I mm -hmm. would say. So yes. it makes complete sense. Absolutely. I mean, look at COVID-19 right now. A lot of people are kind of like how they're coping in lockdown, how they're coping with all the anxiety. People are resorting to the arts, you know, TikTok, the dancing and sharing, you know. So it's it's what 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 drama therapy does, it harnesses the thing, this 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 propensity to to to, to create art. It harnesses that in your own healing. Mm -hmm. So that's the amazing thing about it. You're trained in drama therapy in the US and then you're yeah. practicing in Trinidad, is that right? Yes. How you, <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's pretty interesting because I'm sure the there's a difference of acceptance with something that's different in both areas. Can you tell us a little bit about the difference between both areas? Um, so it's there's a difference, not only with acceptance, but also with the way that it's practiced. Um, the way that I was trained, Definitely, there's 
it, it was imbued with, with all of the, you know, cultural context. So even my education um, for me was challenging because I came into this space with all that I knew about being Caribbean, all that I knew about being a black woman in Trinidad Tobago um, and being a black woman in the United States. Like, oh, they're already completely different things, right? So, um, the way that I was taught was a struggle for me. I really struggled to, to kind of understand um, the pedagogy or the way that they were teaching. Sorry, I struggled a bit. Um, but then also just the, con the concepts, some of the concepts were a little foreign and some of it just didn't fit with what I know to be my reality in the Caribbean. So of course, when I came back, I have to say when I came back, I felt almost like, um, like a traitor. I felt almost like uh, an imposter um, because I'm coming back with all these, these wonderful things in my opinion, but that, but didn't sit comfortably or neatly in, 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 what, in, in Caribbean identity or in the way that we interact or even express um, our mental health, right? Um, even the concept of mental health is something that there's so much taboo, there's so many layers to that in the region. So I had to stop for a while and just kind of reconsider what drama therapy could look like in this region. Um, so the difference would be the, primarily the way that we practice. So how we engage clients, um, that, that cultural sensitivity around how clients express themselves, um, all the issues around confidentiality and privacy. I mean, in our region, you know, we have a small island kind of mentality. You don't want to talk about nothing because you never go here and you know, that kind of thing. So there were, there were those issues. However, the beauty of drama therapy and creative arts therapies is that it is, it's, it's inherent in that type of therapy is the arts movement, dance, music, and all of those things come naturally to any human being. We're just wired to express ourselves. Yes, they may sound and look different in different regions, but just the ability to move, um, the ability to make sounds, uh, you know, those things are naturally occurring in every human being. So people are still able to connect with the therapy on that level. So that's the, that's the amazing thing about it. And I could talk more about that later on. Yeah. Would you say yeah. that a certain age group benefits more from drama therapy than other age groups? Or would Absolutely. you say there's a gender relationship or things like that? I mean, I have to say that culturally, you will have challenges um, with certain ages or, or, or gender rules just by virtue of the culture, how these things are expressed or valued in a particular culture. However, um, I have had the privilege, and that's why I can say this with a lot of confidence, I've had the privilege in my training to work with a range of, of um, age groups and to work with both men and women. Um, the drama therapy can benefit anyone because, um, just, just, just like how I mentioned before, um, this propensity towards you know, creativity or this art-making ability is found in everybody, young or old. All right, so drama therapy can, is actually practiced in uh, neonatal care units. So even right out of the womb, we work with mothers and their newborns. Um, all the way up to old age or elderly homes, drama therapy is practiced there. So um, I had the privilege of working um, with a lot of men who were in a, a VA hospital, a veteran hospital. And, um, you know, the life of a veteran, it's in itself very complex. So I 
know, to see these, you know, what we would call these trapped men who are so hard and cool engage in playmaking was amazing. It's, it's, it's really a magical thing to see. It's like magic sometimes. But yeah, so anybody can benefit from drama therapy. Um, but of course, um, you, you, I mean, particularly like, for example, in the Caribbean, in Trinidad, um, you know, we're not, yes, we're, we're expressive people, but, uh, you know, being vulnerable doesn't always come that easily. So, um, you know, there, there, there are those challenges um, just because of the culture. But yeah, anybody can benefit from drama therapy. So in terms of a, a, the state of the arts, I know it's very hard to identify um, some of the scientific basis of this. But are there any studies that show that this, these techniques are beneficial in those age groups or those individuals? That's a great question. Um, drama therapy research is building and continues to build. Um, I can tell you neuroscience has been a big field right now that we're bringing together both drama therapy and neuroscience as we understand how the brain performs, particularly in the area of trauma. I have particularly been trained in addressing complex traumas. And uh, one of the things that in the research shows, if you look up um, Bessel van der Kolke's uh, He's a renowned person in trauma. He works as a clinician, but also as a researcher. And we understand that the body kind of stores trauma. Uh, what drama therapy does, it's, it's an embodied practice. So in the therapeutic space, you get to move. You get to move and engage your body. And so the brain now, through the movements or through the body, gets to access parts of the brain that have been, uh, let's say, kind of cut off or stunted or shocked by trauma, um, the, you get to engage that part of the brain through the body. And there's a lot of research to, to show how the creative arts uh, is able to do that. Um, and let me, let me be more specific. There's something called mirror neurons. Um, you can research it. There's a neuron in the brain um, that is, is actually identified as uh, the responsible neuron for, for, for kind of allowing this work to happen. So think about it. For example, um, if you're watching a movie or you're watching a show, and you know that the movie or the show is not real. These are actors, it's scripted. However, you cry when you see a sad scene or you get excited when you see an action movie, but you know that is not real, right? But you still feel the very same feelings as if it were real. And there's a neuron in your brain that's responsible for that. And that's exactly, that. that's, that's what we kind of work with in this week. And that's how we kind of prove the power of this week. Just as Renee Muna said, um, play and pretend affords us, the, affords us the opportunity to kind of try out these new rules as if it were real in the therapy space. So that's that was a huge uh, um, that was a huge development in drama therapy research, finding out about mirror neurons and neuroscience. Um, as, um, also, um, there's a lot of research on trauma and embodiment. Um, and there's also a lot of research in performance theory, the, the power of performance. Um, and of course, mirror neurons also contribute to how performance is healing. So there's research on that. Um, and then in education, even before drama therapy was there, drama in education or educative theater, um, there's a lot of research um, talking about how drama um, is a vehicle for change. It's a vehicle uh, to teach. Uh, so there's and then psychiatry and psychology um, drama is, is a clinical practice. Um, so we work from those principles as well. Um, the ideas of group therapy and how the group acts as a microcosm. It's like the group 
group therapy is like the real world, but like really small. <laughs> so you get to practice rules in the group that when you go out into the real world, you couldn't integrate into your real life. So yes, the answer to the short answer to your um, question is yes, there's research that shows um, the, the, the effectiveness of this work and, and, and shows how it works. You talked about working with mothers in a neonatal unit. You talked about working with um, veterans and things like that. What are some of the broad areas where you can actually see drama therapy in practice in the Caribbean, some other areas? Okay, so I have to say that in the Caribbean, well, in Trinidad, Tobago, at least I am the only drama therapist right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two other persons who were trained in drama therapy that I know of in the region. Oh, no, actually three. One is in Jamaica right now, and then two others are from Trinidad. Um, one is has returned to the U.S. Um, so we're actually very, very small right now, and we're still doing in the region. Um, right now, I work with um, adolescents, at-risk youth, adolescents, and I recently did some work with um, some Venezuelan refugees and asylum seekers. And uh, so the, the work is developed. However, COVID came along and that kind of yeah. a lot of the work that we were doing. Um, so in the region, it's not as wide as it could be because it's just too well, just me right now in Trinidad and one is still finishing her training in New York. Um, so it's just two of us right now in the region that I'm aware of. Um, so yeah, that's the long and short of that. Um, but out there um, internationally, drama therapy spans, I mean, you can think about any, any setting, you can find them at hospitals, schools, mental health clinics, substance use treatment centers, um, correctional facilities like prisons, community centers, um, in non-clinical spaces like um, after-school programs, um, shelters, nursing homes, even in theater, um, that's a non-clinical space. What we do is we work with clients who may be living with mental illness, um, but part of their treatment is a performance and working through the, the, the process of kind of building a performance and they learn different skills. Um, so that's, you know, in the theater, um, Jama uh, therapy is also used like in corporate, in the corporate world as a, um, to, to kind of um, foster certain skills, group skills, um, training, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so drama therapy is found everywhere. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your work with at-risk youth. What are some of the activities you would have with one of these individuals or is it a group activity and how exactly does that work? So I work primarily um, in groups. I, I I strongly believe in the power of a group. When we come together as a group, their their skills are things that we learn naturally just engaging and interacting. Um, that social that the group as a social agent, um, and then also as an opportunity to identify and to, and to identify with others and to, to feel a sense of belonging um, and to learn how to deal with conflict and to learn how to be in relationship with others. I believe in the power of the group. Um, so I work primarily with groups. Uh, some activities that we will do, I specialize in story. So I tend to use story a lot with my 
kids or children, <laughs> um, what the story does for using story. Uh, this is like, they get to create their own stories. Also um, finding stories that relate to some of the issues they may be dealing with at the time and then getting them to play the different characters and kind of process that. Um, but the story, what the story does, it, it gives them distance from what they, what they are experiencing or what, um, what they're being challenged with at the moment or challenged by at the moment. Um, so they get an opportunity to, to kind of suspend reality to say, okay, all right, pause. In the group, they get to pause on their reality and then explore, what if I did this differently? Or what if, you know, this happened instead of this? What would things look like? How, what do I need to do to achieve this alternative ending? Um, what are the things that I need to learn to achieve this alternative ending? Wait, this alternative ending is a is an option. You know, what would it be like to to play this role, or what would it be like to live like this? Um, and so they get an opportunity in the story as a different character uh, to express and explore that. Um, and I think that really works well for kids because they they naturally tend to use their imagination as a way to avoid some of the challenges they're enduring at the moment. Um, so I kind of play with that and I and I use that in the room. So that's one thing that I would do. And I tend to do that often with young people um, is help them kind of co-create a new reality for them. Wow. That seems like it will be very helpful for kids, all kids right now, dealing with this yeah. coronavirus and the transition to the new normal. I think they can benefit from something like that exponentially. I think so too. It's just we have to do it virtually and that's the difficulties like drama therapy is so embodied you know it's it's about being in the same space with someone else but now we have this virtual space you know it, it's trying to find the connections you know <laughs> through the webcam but it's happening it's happening this episode we really want to channel some of the um, Caribbean women challenges, you know, some of their mental health and well-being challenges that we have. And I want to leave this open to you to address some of the things that you've seen as a Caribbean woman living in Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, what are some of the expectations of women that kind of gives us a sense of we have to be this way or do these things uh, and it's not quite the same in other regions? Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, this is so layered it is so layered in this region by virtue of our history by virtue of our you know socioeconomic status it is so layered um but firstly i have to say um the myths they come in two ways we hear a lot of messaging of messaging about who we need to be or who we should be and then what we what we should be doing <laughs> or what we can't do. Uh, those are the main things that I have experienced, I've witnessed, I've observed in the region. Um, often we are kind of fed ideas around, um, well, often we're kind of fed ideas around what we should look like. You know, this hypersexualized, yeah. This, this hypersexualized idea of what, you know, what we look like and what we should look like. Um, and then of course, that brings a lot of expectations and, and as partners, you know, cause we're seen 
we're, we're objectified as partners that, you know, we ought to, to, to find the right man and, you know, that kind of thing. Those are the messages that we hear quite often. And if we don't fit that role, something is wrong with us, mm -hmm. right? Something, something must be wrong with you. Um, we're also kind of just fed the idea that now in the 21st century, you know, as Caribbean women, we now independent and we don't need no man. So there's there are these two ideas that are sitting right next to each other, which is really interesting. So that we, we, we kind of, we're built for men, but then we're also now in this 21st century, you have this independent Caribbean woman who's strong and independent, but it also is layered with this idea of bitterness that, you know, we have, we're now bitter. So in order for us to be independent, you know, we must have come, somebody must have hurt us. You know? <laughs> Some man did something wrong and now the next man have to pay for it. Um, so we fed those ideas. Um, uh, then just in, in the workplace that we're always, you know, second best. Um, I mean, we have made strides. I'm not going to lie. We have made strides and there are several models in our region that we can identify who are taking up their own space and kind of speaking uh, for, uh, not, not speaking for women in general, but kind of taking up their space as a, a, a female voice in the region, um, which is good. Uh, we're still plagued, however, with the models of um, single parent homes, um, matrifocal families, where the mothers are still the ones left to, and I say left, um, left to shoulder the burden of raising a family because, you know, that's what we're kind of, quote unquote, made for. That's what we're made for. Um, so we still have that model um, of, of single women raising men, single women ra uh, raising families. Um, and then now what we're also seeing is we're also seeing uh, women now opting out of that. Um, no, I will not be that woman who's left or abandoned to raise, you know, a family or to raise children. Uh, so those are some of the expectations, some of the messages that we hear. Um, yeah, in the region. I think in terms of leadership, we're seeing a lot of uh, female prime ministers, for instance, in Barbados, and then our president in Trinidad is females. So we're seeing the opportunities for leadership as women. And now in general, women are thinking, well, we can do this. We can be something other than the person who creates and maintains the home. So, so being looked at as inferior to another woman because of that really creates a, a separation between the two types of women. And that's, that's kind of what you mentioned earlier. And I, I hear it a lot from you know my friends and colleagues how you need to be like this or you need to be like that yeah. um so and I, I i'm sure it doesn't just happen in the caribbean but yeah. it just almost seems oversensitized because everyone is telling you who you should and should not be based on how your history was yes. created and developed. yes yes exactly yeah you talk about being able to assume roles and acting out different uh, situations or options. How can we help our women uh, improve their mental health and well-being using drama therapy techniques? Well, I, I recently wrote an article about this actually. Um, so firstly, the body. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so much that's attached to a carbon woman's body. You know, walking in this space, you know, walking down the streets and the hips, and, you know, all of these inappropriate comments about your body. Um, so I think 
in the region, um, and particularly in Trinidad and Tobago, uh, working through the body is one way that we try to target this kind of work of um, working with women. Uh, there's a lot of uh, domestic violence and gender-based violence in the region as well, and that 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 is also largely attached to this Caribbean body, you know, the, the bruises and the hurts that we endure, um, and of course the expectations on the Caribbean woman's body. Um, so, working through the body, kind of revaluing this body that we've been given, um, acknowledging where we store trauma and stress in our bodies, uh, rewriting the narrative around the body, um, owning owning the body not just as a sexual object, but as this, 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 this space that has a story to tell, uh, this voice that has a story to tell, um, and kind of tearing off you know, all these expectations and, and labels that we've been given. Um, so using drama therapy to explore movement, to explore and kind of create a new narrative around the body, how we value the different parts of our bodies, um, is one beautiful way. Uh, and then of course, not just coming into a clinical space to do that, but using um, just the principles of drama therapy and embodiment at home. So we tend to promote, you know, uh, ritualistic practices of movements, you know, at home. So things like yoga and meditation, even exercise, even just putting on some good music and moving and kind of making that practice intentional. Because again, drama therapy is the intentional use of these things. Um, making that practice intentional as whole at home so that you kind of reinstill this value, uh, the sense of love, the sense of appreciation for, for, for the female body. Um, so that's one way. And of course, like I mentioned before, I work a lot with story and we tend to hear a lot of different stories, you know, what people think or how people story the woman um, by, you know, in the music that we're listening to, you know, the narrative is, is, is always, you know, it's, it's always similar. Like, um, example in soca music. I mean, I love soca. <laughs> I love soca. <laughs> but I mean, the message that we hear, you know, the big bottom girl, or you know, wine on it, or you know, give it, you know, all these things that we hear in soca music, it subconsciously affects us. And while I love it, <laughs> um, it sends, it feeds our bodies these messages that when we go in effect, we have to get them work, or we have to perform, or we have to bend down low, and you know, these kinds of things. Um, so. Uh, um, kind of restoring who we want to be and who we are uh, is is deep work and important work, and and drama therapy is able to fulfill it. And and, I, and, I, and again, I hold true to working in groups. You know, women coming together to restory their journeys or to restory the narrative or change the narrative, um, because we've been, like you mentioned earlier, we're being separated by the idea of. Um, you know, the working class woman versus the woman in leadership and they can't come together and, and one is lesser or greater than the other. Um, so that's, those are some ways. Wow. I love how you bring my attention to some of the slipping music and the songs because we uh, talked with Freetown Collective, which is one of the more um, very different musical groups in Trinidad and, and they don't really have a, a, a fit into a, a box let's say, yeah. of, of soca music, but all of their music is very inspirational, empowering. Yeah. And, um, you know, talking with them and their ideas of how we internalize the family, how we internalize the home really made me realize that we create the narrative ourselves um, in the Caribbean. 
And we need to um, sort of identify with the things that we want to hear or we want to see. And as much as I love soca music too, sometimes you're always thinking like, oh, we really need another jam and wine song. Come on, guys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And it sells. So that speaks volumes, right? Yeah. So yeah, we perpetuate these ideas. Yeah, I think this is an awesome conversation and definitely one that I would love to have again. But I want you to tell listeners where they can find you. Where uh, where can we follow Carlene and get some more information about drama therapy? Oh my gosh. Well, this is something that I've been working on post, um, during this period because I have not been very out there on social media. However, I work at an organization wholeness and wellness counseling services and we tend to post a lot of blogs um, and videos around drama therapy and the work that i do so um wholeness and wellness counseling services we have a website and we tend to post a lot of our videos on youtube um you can also follow me on facebook yes i am very archaic i <laughs> have not gotten up to the times as yet um at colleen Rapid. um you can reach out to me um more than willing to engage in conversation about drama therapy and, and, and mental health in general. I am working on creating a page, a platform for me to be able to share more about this. So yeah. that is coming soon. Definitely. And keep us posted so we can send it out so folks can know where to find you and what, um, what would be the best way to reach out when we need some opportunity for movement and drama and <laughs> the arts right yeah, in Trinidad yeah, yeah. all right well thank you so much Carlene for talking with us uh I think this was a great conversation definitely one to think about and I do look forward to having more conversations with you especially in terms of the the woman and mental health especially so thank you no, so that's much. thank you for the honor thank you Drama therapy is yet another discipline to consider in the management of mental health. Take advantage of these highly trained individuals who can aid in your psychological wellness. If you enjoyed this episode, visit Rx Rounds on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast. And we'll see you next rounds on RX Rounds.